try too hard to find anything tonight. Uh, so Genesis chapter 1, we'll start there. It's not the only place we'll be, so you're going to have to turn a lot more than that. But Genesis 1, we'll start it easy. <coughs> Excuse me. Of course, a verse... Uh, number 26, we all know, right, Genesis chapter 1 is the Lord creating ultimately the universe. And uh, he gets, <coughs> excuse me, verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him male and female created he them. And so we understand as well that you get into Genesis chapter 2. He recaps and you come down and he gets uh, Eve, his wife. And you get to chapter 3 and you have the fall of man. And mankind sins against God. They choose and they fall in their transgression. They take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they uh, decide they're going to do so. And uh, chapter 5 comes. And you get to Genesis chapter 5. And verse number one, he says, uh, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And the day that God created man in the likeness of God may he, made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And so on you get, of course, the rest of the lineage and everybody starting in verse number five and he died and over and over again. Uh, ultimately, there's, there's a strange change that happens. In Genesis chapter 1, of course, uh, God creates man in his image and after his likeness. Uh, he creates man like himself. Uh, but mankind, through their transgression, Adam begins to have children after his fallen likeness. Uh, Adam afterwards doesn't have the image of God the same as he did before. It's a fallen version of it. And he passes that on from generation to generation. And uh, we're in the likeness of men. And as the likeness of Adam, we follow his suit. And we have failed, of course, and we've sinned. Uh, but tonight, there's an option for us today. Uh, oftentimes, throughout the scriptures, you find men like, want to be like something. Uh, they, want, they want to be like something that they see or something that they have or something somebody else has or whatever. And so tonight, I just want to ask the question, who do you want to be like? Who do you want to be like? And so let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll get into a very simple idea, but a very true one. Lord, I do thank you for the night and I thank you for bringing us in safely. And I do pray that you would uh, work in our hearts tonight, help us to see maybe some things we ought to change and ought, ought to do a little differently because... Uh, Father, we're going in a likeness, and we're going in a direction that will make us like some things we don't want to be. And Father, certainly some things that you don't want us to be, and so I do pray that you would work in our hearts tonight. I pray if someone here has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would call upon you tonight, and they would trust in Jesus Christ alone. Once again, we pray you'd bless our service. Help us, Father, to see and to learn and maybe to be encouraged to continue to do some things or maybe just be encouraged to change some things and do them the right way. And Lord, we pray that you would bless our night. We love you. We pray you'd come back soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would, turn over to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. 
And this is the first, uh, ultimately this would be the first person who wanted to be, this first being who wanted to be like something else. Uh, and of course this is Lucifer. He starts him in verse number 12 here of Isaiah chapter 14. And he says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will, also, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one in his own name. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden underfoot. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned." Uh, and he's going to keep going, of course, and bring it down. And, but the truth is, uh, here, Satan, Lucifer, who becomes, of course, Satan. We know him as Satan, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he met. All the, all the things we know of him, uh, his, his statement is, I want to be like the Most High. Now, that could be taken in a pretty good way. Well, I, want, I want to behave like God, but that's not what his statement was. His statement is not about the question of whether or not he can be like him in character. Instead, it is, I want to be like God in power and in might, in authority and reign. I want to have control. The likeness here, the likeness of God that he is trying to be, is he wants God's status, he wants God's throne. That's where it started. The first being, the most powerful being that was created is Lucifer, and his first action ultimately against God is, I want to be just like you in power. Amazingly enough, isn't that what happened to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3? The serpent looks at the woman, and he's talking to her, and he says, Well, thou shalt not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know what Eve wanted? She just wanted to be like God. You know what mankind wants? They want to be just like God. Well, I want authority, and I want power, and I want status, and I want, I want, I want. But you're not God. I was dealing with somebody yesterday, and praise the Lord, she accepted the Lord. But one of the things she asked about was bad things happening, and why does God? You know why mankind asks that question? Because they're not God. They're not God. They want to be. They want to have authority. They want to have status. They want to have the ability to control everything around them and be able to have everything secured and have the pride and the arrogancy to think that they can handle that. And God says, you can't. I'm God. And beside me, there is no other. There's no other God like him, and there's nobody that's going to be as great as he is. In fact, you find out the end result of this. Ultimately, this is a statement of pride. I want to be like the Most High. Now, you and I know 
We're not going to say that. <laughs> but we live like it. God, I know better, so I'm going to. That was Balaam's problem, wasn't it? Right, you get back there in numbers with Balaam, and Balaam's there, and, and uh, he, wants, he wants a house full of gold. He wants the thing that he wants. And God tells him no, ultimately. And Balak sends and says, hey, you know, uh, I want you to do this. And, and Balak, I can't do that. Balaam's going, I, I can't. I can do what, only what the Lord tells me to do. And over and over again, he just keeps blessing Israel. And Balak gets mad at him, right? And he goes, I would have promoted thee to great honor, but the Lord hath kept me back. What's the Lord kept you from? And you got mad about it. You got upset because God said, hey, you can't have that. Either you can't have that now or you can't have that ever. And you went, well, yeah, but if I scheme enough, I'll get it. That was Balaam's answer. Balaam's answer was, well, I can't curse them, but I can tell you how God's got to curse them. I'll tell you that if, if the children of Midian go down there and, and they go ahead and they get the children of Israel and they beguile them and they trick them and they get them in and they start making affinity with them and they start joining up with them and they start making families and they start, well, then God's got to curse them and bring judgment. Well, if I can play my cards right, I can get God to do what I want Him to do. Christian, that is a dangerous game to play. You don't believe me, ask Balaam. He dies by the sword shortly after in the middle of a war, showing back up in a place where you'd go, well, what's he doing there? Well, probably because he's going to pick up his house full of gold. And the Lord goes, I didn't kill you. That guy with a sword killed you. Just like you didn't curse my people. Like, what, what's the problem? The problem is you want to be God. Well, God, you didn't do things the way I wanted them done. Well, God, you didn't answer my prayer the way that I, want, I wanted it answered. God, you didn't do it the way that I would have done it. God, I don't understand why you're putting me through this. God, I don't understand why this is happening to me. God, I don't understand why, how could you do this? And we get that and our pride rises up inside of us. And just like Lucifer, our pride rises up and we go, I want to be just like God with all the power. And God, you've got to give me a reason that you're doing what you're doing. Watch out. Watch out. You, get, you start getting that hard attitude of, God, I don't deserve. You're going to find out very quickly, you probably did deserve. The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. Your contention starts showing up, you start getting contentious with God. God, how come you're not doing things the way, and how come you're not as fast as, and how come? Because He's God. And He knows better than you do. He knows better than I do. And you get contentious with Him. You know what you'll end up as? Well, we all know the end of pride. It's destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. That's what happens to Lucifer here, isn't it? The end result for Lucifer is destruction. Ultimately, it's a lake of fire, but he brings them down and shows off, this is the man that made the nations to tremble? Really? This is it? This is all it is? Well, you know, God just, if I were God, well, thank goodness you're not. Thank goodness I'm not. We'd mess this whole thing up real quick. 
And here he is. You know what God's doing? He's making sure you understand uh, that's not the way to be like God. It's not a question of status. It's not a question of authority. It's not a question of pride. I will be like the Most High. That's, that's not the good at heart attitude. That causes Adam and Eve to fall and causes the death of all of mankind. It causes Lucifer to fall. It causes you and I to stumble at the greatness of who God is, thinking that we know better than He does. Look over at 1 Samuel chapter 8. The Christian gets in trouble when he starts thinking he knows more than God. And I know you wouldn't say it. You wouldn't say, well, I know more than God. And you wouldn't say, well, uh, you know, I want to be like God in power and I want to be like the most. You go ahead and take control of things in your life before you ever ask him to take control. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, uh, I, I don't want to read too much of this chapter, but uh, really, ultimately, it's the whole chapter. And we'll, we'll grab a few spots here throughout it. But in verse number 1, he says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. There they are. Say, so what do they want to be? They just want to be like everybody else. Just make us a king like everybody else. Why can't I be like everybody else? Christian, you can't be like everybody else because you're not like everybody else. But that's what Christians want. They, well, I just want to fit in. Well, why can't I just be like everybody else? Why can't I live my life the way that everybody else lives? Why can't I make my choices the way that they do? Why can't I just go work a job and go do all my things and have my worldly mentality and I have to have all these other things? Why is it that I got to come to church and why is it that I should tithe and why is it that I should witness and why is it that I should dress this way and why is it that I should do these things instead of doing just whatever it is I want to do. Why is it that I have to have a control factor on what I watch and what I say and what I do? Why do I have to have all those things? Why can't I just have a king like everybody else? Say, what's the Christian's problem? The Christian's problem is he wants to be like everybody else. And God said, no, you're supposed to be a peculiar people zealous of good works. He says, well, no, you're supposed to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. He looks at them and he says, no, no, you're not supposed to live like them. You're supposed to listen to me. And we go, yeah, but can't I just have a king like everybody else? And, of course, we find out that really they're not rejecting Samuel. Verse number 7, the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Well, I don't like what the preacher had to say. I don't like what so, you know, I, I just, I don't like it. No, you don't like what God said. 
You don't like what he said. We're not a big standards church like where we're preaching it all the time. I mean, but you ought to have them. And the Lord gives you certain things that you have to put into your life and the certain things. And then you go, well, I don't understand why I can't be like everybody else. Why can't I go there and why can't I do these and can't I just be like everybody else? Notice, notice the children of Israel's problem here in just a moment. Verse number 10, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons. Oops. You want to, you want to act like the rest of the world? You'll lose your kids. That's where they'll go. You'll lose your kids to the wrong master, the wrong king, and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. He's going to put them to work for him. The devil's a terrible taskmaster. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. He's going to take your stuff. Isn't it amazing that the devil always costs more than the Lord ever does? Living for the devil never pays off. Living for you and trying to make a king like you want, it never works. You look around at a world and the Lord says to you, he says, well, you could choose that over there. Uh, I mean, we've been learning about it in Sunday school, right? Lot sets his eyes toward that field of Sodom right out there. He pitches his tent toward Sodom. He starts heading toward in a direction where he goes, well, this looks plenteous. And that's what you do. Well, I just want to be like everybody else and let my eyes control where I go. It looks good. I won't pray about it, but it looks good, so I'll just do it. Just make me a king like everybody else. Can't I just be like everybody else? Why do I have to be so different? I mean, people think I'm weird for going to church on Sunday twice. People think I'm weird for going to church on Wednesday night. People think I'm weird for going out soul winning on Saturday or street preaching on Saturday. People think I'm weird for showing up to special services when we have a week of meetings. And I'm there every, you were there every night of the week at church. Well, yeah, but if I could just be my own king. You know, it's amazing. And I wasn't even thinking about this earlier. <laughs> I just literally just thought about this right now. You realize there are people... Maybe not in our church, but there's people across the country that aren't, that aren't in church tonight because they decided they wanted to watch a football game. I just want to be like everybody else. Everybody else is watching the game. Why can't I just watch the game? Everybody else goes golfing on Sunday. Why can't I go golfing on Sunday? Well, everybody else goes to, I don't know what it is you like to do. Amazes me how many things happen on Sundays. Well, my family's having a reunion, so I got to be there. Well, it's on Sunday. Okay, well, I guess I better, I got to go. I just got to miss church. 
You sure about that? You sure about that? Who's your king? Well, can't I just be like everybody else in my family? That's a hard saying right there. The problem is some of those times are the times when they realize, hey, I can't compromise on what the Lord told me to do. I'm going to do what's right. I'll join you after the service. When it fits in my timetable with the Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll fit you in. So that seems really rough. My family won't understand. They're not supposed to understand if they're lost. But they'll see a difference. They'll see that you're not, you don't have a king like the rest of the nations. You're not running the way that they run. You're not going the direction that they go. Well, make, why can't I just be like everybody? Because the Lord didn't make you like everybody else. He saved you to not live like they live. Well, you know, I don't understand why I have to do it that because the Lord told you to do it that way. The difficulty becomes not that God told you to do it. It is the difficulty of will you listen to it. Who's the king? Well, can't I just live like... No. <laughs> he saved you to not live like the rest of them. He saved us so we didn't have to be like the rest of the world. But you make your choices based upon money. You make your job choices and your location choices based upon what's best for you. And you never take into consideration Him. You decide what you'll do today based upon what you want to do or based upon what everybody else is doing with no care or concern about what your king would actually want you to have. So that seems pretty rough. Yeah, but I find that it's the best. Oftentimes, let me put it this way, oftentimes the logical choice isn't God's choice. How many, how many times throughout the Bible do you find God going, yeah, that's a logical plan, we're going to go with that? I mean, how many battles do you see in the Old Testament where the Lord was like, hey, we're going to do that logically right there. We're going to go in. We're going to make sure we have more than enough weaponry on our side because we're just going to overpower them. I mean, you heard about Gideon this morning. I mean, you talk about the most the most pointless exercise with Gideon, right? Hey, Gideon, uh, you mighty man of valor hiding behind all the stuff, all right? Let's, uh, how about we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to fight this war against the Midianites. And you have too many people. We're going to whittle you down to 300. Why? You, you, give me some for just cannon fodder at least. I mean, something, something to stop some bullets or something like that, man. Just give me some extra guys or something. No, no, we got to get rid of all these extras. Lord doesn't need us to be amazing. He just needs us to obey Him. I don't need to look like the rest of the world. I don't need to do it the way the rest of the world does. Well, it doesn't make sense to me logically. It doesn't have to make sense logically. He does much better with no logic at all than you do with all the logic you can muster. And that's just how it is. But we look around and we go, well, how come I can't? Because God didn't save you to do it their way. He saved you to do it His. And we whine and complain like, hey, I want to go back to Egypt. Can't The, the leeks and the garlics were so great back there. No, they weren't, but you want to pretend that they are. 
Well, why can't I just have it like everybody? Because you're not supposed to. Because he said, I want to give you life more abundant. Make us a king. You keep reading down through the passage, and you know what? He's going to take a tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give it to his officers and his servants. He's going to take your men servants, your maid servants, your good, uh, goodliest young men, your asses, and put them all to work for him. He's taking everything. He's taking it. The devil's a taker. The world is a taker. They'll take it, they'll use it, and they'll throw you away. And they say, no, 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 we're not going to listen. Verse 18, ye shall cry out in that day because of your king. You know what's sad? Christians that start living the life they want to live and they say, make me like everybody else. They start to live like the world. They finally realize this is terrible and they start crying out to God. You know what's even scarier? Look at the end of that verse. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You're crying out because of your misery and because of your troubles. The Lord goes, you chose it. You chose it. I've said it here before. I'll say it again. And I'll probably say it a whole lot. God does not have to fix stupid. God does not have to keep cleaning up all of your messes. He is still allowed to let sowing and reaping run its course. Now, he is merciful and he is gracious and he is long-suffering and he's plenty of mercy. And he goes ahead and he does clean up a whole lot of stuff. And we reap this little bit. And you know what we do when we reap that little bit? We go, God, this just doesn't seem fair. And the Lord thinks, you're right, I should have dumped it on you. And instead, I'll let you bring that little bit in. And you didn't reap nearly what you sowed in the wickedness that you've done. And we get discontented and we try to think that he's a terrible king. We go, well, why can't I live like everybody? Yeah, there you are. Look over at uh, the book of Matthew. I'm almost done, kind of. We'll go over to Matthew chapter 16. A few places we could go for this, but we'll go Matthew chapter 16. Verse number 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man provident if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He asked those, those disciples, he's going, hey, uh, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be like me, the disciple is supposed to be like his master. If you're going to be like me, then you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to deny yourself. You're not the king. I will be like the Most High. That's not the attitude. Deny myself. And take up your cross. In another place in Luke, he says, take up thy cross daily. 
Say, what is that? Bearing the reproach. Of what? Of not being like everybody else. We're not supposed to be like them. Well, I don't really like being... Well, you're different. He saved you to be different. Instead, he says, hey, if you want to be like me, you know what you'll have to do? You'll have to take up his cross and he'll have to follow me. Be like me. Be like me. He says in Matthew chapter 10, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. Is he the Lord? Supposed to be. Is he your master? Supposed to be. Well, then you know what you're supposed to be? You're supposed to be just like he is. And not the arrogancy of Lucifer, but the humility of, I know me and I'm not like him. He saved me because I'm not like him. But he saved me to be just like him. He saved me to choose whether or not I'm going to serve him and be like him or whether I'm going to be just like the rest of the world. He's waiting to find out. He's waiting to see if you and I are going to stand and endure, if we're going to take up our cross daily, if we're going to go ahead and follow him, or if you and I are just going to decide, well, I just want to be like everybody else. We have enough stories of people who want to be like everybody else. There's plenty of stories about men who have decided, hey, I just want to be like everybody else. I want my time to be mine. I want to be my king. I want to serve just like everybody. I just want to, I want to give the time that I want to give. I want to give the talent I want to give. I want to give the moments that I want to give. I want to give when I feel like it. And other than that, I don't want to do anything. Okay. You know, just like the children of Israel, the Lord says, okay. I'll let you do it. God's not this crazy dictator where he says, well, I'm going to make you serve me because I'm God. I am the Almighty. So you're going to have to serve me because I told you to. Instead, he says, you can serve me and I'll bless you. Or you can do what you want to do and I can't bless you. Those are the choices. Well, I want to be like, okay, go, go, feel free. But notice you're going to give up all your kids and you're going to serve a terrible taskmaster and he's going to take everything from you. See, the Lord says, hey, you can do it my way and I can give you blessings or you can do it your way and it'll cost you everything. How about you just be like me? So what was he like? You know, Paul makes the statement that I may know him. He says in Philippians, that I may know him. In fact, he says that he takes all of the other things in his life, all of the, all of the religious accolade that he had, all the standing that he had, you know, uh, a Pharisee of the Pharisees is touching the law, blameless. He's a ben, you know, of the tribe of Benjamin, of the stock of Israel. He's amazing in the eyes of the Jews. And he says, I count all things but loss. I count them but dung. 
that I may win Christ. That I may be found in Him. Why is it that we hold on to all the things that we shouldn't hold on to? Because we don't want Him. That's why you hold on to it. You hold on to it because you have decided what you want to be like. You look around and you say, I want to be like that, and that is what I'm going to go after. And instead, he tells you, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, look at me and be like me. Say, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Why don't you know him? Why don't you ever take the time to know him? The passion for one of the greatest Christians that ever lived was that I may know him. And that everything else that I have is dung if I don't know him. I would give up everything else if I could just know the one that I'm preaching about. I would give up everything else if I could just know the one I'm supposed to be following and be like. I would give up everything else if I could just know him as much as I possibly could in this life. Because I want to be just like him. Why don't you have a passion to read? Why don't you have a passion to pray? Why don't you have a passion to draw near to him? And to think about him? And to learn about him? And to want to know why he does what he does? And why he thinks the way that he thinks? Why is it that we always set those things aside so easily? Because you don't want to be like him. Lucifer's statement is, hey, I want to be like the Most High. I want to run the show. Children of Israel say, well, I just want to be like everybody else. Can't you just make me a king like everybody else? And the Lord says, can't you just be like me? I want you to be like me. Say, so what was he like? Philippians chapter 2. That's what he was like. So I don't know what that is. Then you should read it. Because he tells you to let that mind be in you. Say, so what's that mind? I'll give you one moment. It's a mind of humility. Only by pride cometh contention. Okay. Well then, have some humility. Have some meekness. Have some lowliness. How about you esteem each other better than yourself? How about we do good in the sight of all men? That, that seems pretty simple. He didn't really make it all that complicated. Well, I have to be sinless because he's sinless. Absolutely. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. Well, isn't that an impossible standard? It must not be because he told you to. Well, as long as you listen to your master, aren't you sinless? You would be. What's our problem? We put too many, as Brother Paul put it this morning, you have too much bail in you. You got a false God in there that you just keep bringing around. And it takes away and it keeps you from being who you ought to be because you've chosen who you want to be just like. Who are you going to be like tonight? Let's go ahead and stand.